You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, Everybody joining us in Lake County as well as online. And if this is your first time with us, we're just honored that you're here and uh, just grateful. We're humbled. Uh, You could be in a lot of different places, but you're here and we don't take that lightly. And I just want to, to our Journey family, I just want to say thank you for being who you are uh, to help make stories like Mike's possible. That story that we just heard, isn't that awesome and powerful? Isn't that cool? Just thank you for being you. I love how God is using you. And, and Mike's story is a story of how he went from hurt to hopeful. And that's where we're going to talk about today is how do we go from hurt to hopeful. Um, but um, b- before we go any further, Apopka, if y'all could just calm down. Everybody in Lake County online, they're just chanting dolphins, dolphins, dolphins. So if everybody, I don't know if y'all can hear that online, but everybody, I need to get a message across. So uh, enough of the dolphin. I appreciate it. I love the dolphin fanfare. That's great. Um, but just, uh, I don't know if y'all can catch that online, but it, it's loud. It's incredible. And I love your heart, really love your heart for the dolphins. So uh, may the Lord bless you. Hey, today is uh, Super Bowl Sunday. I love seeing the jerseys. Uh, hopefully you got to have a little bit of fun on the way in, maybe on the way out, get some food. And uh, we got a, a big game tonight, the Philadelphia Eagles. Any Eagle fans in the house? Wow. I don't, I don't know out of pocket if there's a lot, but they are loud, okay? How about the Kansas City Chiefs? Wow. Okay, there's a lot. There's a lot of, of Chiefs, okay? How many are like, man, I'm just in it for the commercials. Give me the commercials. My commercial people. How many are like, listen, I didn't even know there's a game. I'm in the kitchen. I'm eating food all game long. Yeah. That's my people. That's my people, yeah. Well, it is uh, it, it's a, a good day. Welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. If this is your first time, uh, just grateful that you're here, like I said. And listen, I love football, but um, I actually, I'm, I'm kind of a poser. I, I didn't really play a lot of football growing up. As a matter of fact, I only played one year of organized football, and it wasn't even during the regular season. I played in something uh, called spring football, and I went to Edgewater High School, and my freshman year at Edgewater, I played spring football, and y'all are like, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is spring, there's no games, and it doesn't really count. It's like the off season. I didn't, I never came out Friday night lights. I didn't play in front of all those people, and so during the spring, there is only one game. It's a scrimmage game that is played and it's played, uh, for us, it was called the, the white and red game because you're playing each other. So the, the coach would split the teams into two. Now, I was a freshman when I played. So there's a couple of important things for you to understand. I was a freshman. Not only was I a freshman, so I'm at the bottom of the barrel, I was also the smallest. So my equipment didn't fit me at all. And I'm not joking. And this is back in the day where they didn't care. Like now they, they may care. I don't know. So my helmet, when my coach would smack me, would just spin. <laughs> True story. Like it would just spin. And so when I would run, I would run with one hand on the helmet and just pump the other arm. It was the goofiest thing. And so I played defensive back. And for those of you who don't know what defensive back means, it means my job on defense, when the quarterback would throw the ball, my job was to try to either knock the ball down or catch it for an interception. 
Now, there was one scrimmage I told you we played, and this was during the school day. So the entire school got out of school to watch this scrimmage. It's a big deal. And I'm a freshman. I'm thinking, man, I'm probably not going to go in. And if I go in, there are already fantasies in my head, like intercept it, do what's called a pick six where you intercept it and score a touchdown. I'm like, man, that would be the best of the best. Well, the other team has the ball and they're marching down the field and they're about to score a touchdown. The quarterback says height, gets it, and he throws it in my direction. That was a mistake. I catch the football. Let me try that again. I catch the football. Yeah. I catch the football. And listen, I grab the helmet and I take off. Okay, I grab it almost in the end zone and I take off and I have kind of this athlete thing where I can't hear the crowd, but in my mind, they're just standing and they're cheering and they're going crazy. And I got one hand and I'm pumping. I go hundred yards, pick six. I score a touchdown in front of all my peers. Unbelievable. And I take my helmet off. I look back and there's nobody near me from like 90 yards. And I'm like, I knew I was fast. I didn't know I was that fast. And if I, I couldn't hear the crowd, but if I would have been able to hear them, they weren't cheering. They were laughing. You see, what happened was (laughs) there was really no play. It was what's called a false start, which means it didn't even count. And the quarterback was just being dumb and tossed it. Everybody in the entire planet knew except this guy. (laughs) I grabbed it like it's the Super Bowl and I took off. Clearly, nobody even cared. Everybody's just laughing at me. And I felt like the Southwest commercial, you want to get away? Like, that was me. In front of all my peers, I'm being laughed at. I was humiliated. I I remember that feeling to this day. I still get counseling for it. Like, there's some issues. (laughs) And I remember that feeling of like, man, I'm so embarrassed, so humiliated. And and I know that's a lighter version, but that's kind of the feeling that we're going to talk about today in our Bibles uh, in John chapter 8. And if you have a Bible, you go ahead and turn to John chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. We're going to have it on the screen. Or if you don't have a Bible at all, there is a Bible in the seat back in front of you. We would love to give that to you as our gift from us to you. Uh, You don't need to tell anybody. It's not stealing. You don't need to put it in your pants and hide it. It is just free. Take it. It's a gift from us to you. And if you use one of the the, uh, Bibles in the seat back, it's on page 919. Okay? This is one of my all-time favorite stories about Jesus. It says this. At dawn, he, meaning Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They, They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground at this. Those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, now go and leave your life 
of sin. Love that story. So the scene is Jesus is teaching similar to something like this. And somebody just busts through the doors and brings somebody that was caught in the middle of sin, adultery. And it says that they were trying to trap him. And we know this because of the way it played out. Because last time I, I, I kind of uh, am aware that it takes two to tango, right? But they only brought one person. They brought the woman. They, they weren't seeking actual justice. Their heart, they could care less about godly justice. What they were trying to do is trap God. And this is what I love about God. I love how so many times we, we, it looks like we have one of two options, either door uh, number one or door number two, and God comes in. We're thinking those are only two options. We're thinking, God, we need a miracle. And God says it's not just two options. It's not one or two. God says there's option C. And I love it. He's thinking on a totally different level than you and I could ever imagine. And that's what takes place here. So they're trying to trap Jesus. And just to understand, you might be thinking, well, how is that a trap? There were two uh, governing laws that they had to follow. One was the, the actual government, which was the Roman law, which appropriately so said, you can't just go around killing people. Okay. So if Jesus were to, to stone or say, that's okay, he would, he would be breaking the Roman law. But then they had the Jewish law, the law of Moses that, that said, if somebody is uh, caught in adultery, that you are to stone them. Okay, so now Jesus is like, okay, I'm stuck between these two options. But Jesus says, okay, stoner. But here's the thing. He says, only those who have never sinned can throw a stone. And so what he's saying is, he's not saying yes or no to either one, but he's highlighting the importance of both compassion and forgiveness. And that's what I love about Jesus. Now tonight, we're gonna watch the Super Bowl. And um, by the way, I, if you don't know, I'm a big Miami Dolphin fan, and some of y'all are, are like, hey, where are the Dolphins? Listen, it's all political. Like, if the refs wouldn't have blown like 200 calls, we would be in the Super Bowl, okay? <laughs> so I got my referee hat, okay? So here's, here's what's going on. Tonight in the game, there's gonna be referees. And the referees have flags. They have these yellow flags, and their job is to watch the game close. And when they see somebody uh, make a mistake, when they see somebody that has a penalty, what they do is they take these flags and they just throw them. Oh, there's a baby. Okay. No. I saw, I, right here, I saw strollers. That made me nervous. Okay. Don't throw anymore. Okay. That's their job, the ref. Their job is to throw flags. Just throw them. I see something wrong, I throw a flag. That's the job of the ref. You see, the religious leaders in the story, they thought that was their job. They thought their job was to put on a ref hat and they thought it was their job to referee the entire universe. And when they see somebody sin, that they're supposed to throw a flag. Listen, church, anytime that you and I try to replace God at his job, it's never gonna be okay. It's never gonna be good for you or the world when we try to take, God is really good at his job. Let's let him do him and let's us, let us be us. And so what we can do sometimes at the church is we can put a referee hat on and say, hey, you're not supposed to live like that. Hey, you're not supposed to do this. And we just go around throwing flags at the world wondering why they don't love Jesus. And it's because we don't throw stones, but we throw flags. And we are a stone dropping church, but we are also a flag dropping church. You see, the referees, they will throw flags, but there's another flag in the game that you'll see tonight, and that's a red flag. 
This is kind of newer the past several years. This is called a challenge flag. The, the coaches will have these. Each coach has a challenge flag. And if they see the ref uh, make a call that they disagree with, they can actually throw a challenge flag and say, hey, I disagree with you. I think you're wrong. You need to go and, and, and look at the instant replay. And this is the other thing that we as a church can sometimes do is God will do something and we actually throw challenge flags at God. And we say, God, hey, I know how you're doing this. I know what you're doing, but I'm gonna challenge you. Like, I don't think you're right. We're talking about a perfect referee, somebody that's never made a mistake. And here we come in with arrogance and we start throwing challenge flags at God all day long saying, God, you're not right. God, you're not right. So now we're throwing flags at God and we're throwing flags at people. And neither one of those scenarios is helpful or hopeful for you or for me. You see, in this story, there are two groups of people that approach Jesus. And I want you to listen to how they approach Jesus and how each of them left Jesus. And I think we can learn some. You see, the teachers, the religious leaders, they approached Jesus with arrogance, right? Like they tried to trap Jesus. What arrogance to think that we could fool God, that we can manipulate God, that we can trick God. So they came in with this arrogance. They came in with all this arrogance. And then Jesus, by his actions and compassion, and we don't know what he, he bent over and wrote. We don't know what he wrote. Some scholars guess, but none of us know. Some guess that maybe he just wrote out the sins of the accusers one by one. I think that he wrote, go fins. That's just, <laughs> I think it was a prophecy, you know, that he just. And so they came to Jesus with arrogance. But listen to how they left. They left they are the ones that left discouraged and ashamed. They came with arrogance and left unfulfilled. The flip side of that is this woman, clearly humble. She's been humiliated and humbled. She comes to Jesus. She's not arguing. She's not, she's not uh, downplaying her sin. She's humbly coming. And it's the one that came to Jesus humble that left restored and forgiven. She met Jesus and Jesus said, go and sin no more. Listen, how we come to Jesus will often determine what we take away from Jesus. Some of you, you come to church. Some of you, you pray at night and you come to God with arrogance and you don't know why you're walking away unfulfilled. You're coming to God with challenge flags and, and it just doesn't work. It's in our humility that we come and we lift our hands up and surrender that God says, okay, now you can walk away fulfilled and forgiven and restored. It's important to note that Jesus doesn't ignore or excuse or even condone her sin. Some of us are like, well, if we don't throw flags, how are they gonna know? Well, scripture over and over and over, that's what, that's what God does. He, the Holy Spirit convicts. So God is not condoning, Jesus is not condoning her sin. He says, go and sin no more. He's acknowledging the sin. It's important for you and I to acknowledge our own sin. This is what Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Like all of us have made a mistake. All of us, God can throw yellow flag after yellow flag after yellow flag at us because we've all made mistakes. We have all sinned. And sometimes people outside the church, that's all they think Christians wanna say is, hey, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. But here, here's, the, here's the better part of that. You know, if you go to a football game or if you watch the Super Bowl, you're probably gonna see a sign like this, John 3.16. 
It appears at a lot of football games. It's probably the number one most popular verse. And I want to read to you what John 3, 16 and 17 says. It says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So God says, hey, listen, I can't save you if you don't think you need a savior. That's why it's important we acknowledge our sin. If we don't acknowledge our sin, then we don't need a savior. But God says, when you understand that you are a sinner in need of a savior, now I have a solution. And the solution is Jesus. Jesus covers your disgrace with his grace. That's what I want you to know more than anything. He covers your disgrace. Whatever you're ashamed of, he covers with his grace. I didn't play a lot of organized football, but I, I did play a lot of like backyard football. Just me and the neighborhood guys, my buddies, we would play all the time. And I remember um, this one time we were playing and, and I'm going to be, uh, I want this to be a safe place. So don't judge me because you're going to think like you're really dumb. And that, that was true, but hang, hang tight. So the first thing you do anytime you play backyard football or just neighborhood football is you have to determine what are the touchdowns. So we played in a, a front yard and the front yard of this whole, whole street were really, really big front yards. They were really big front yards. And every front yard had a sidewalk leading from the street to the front door. And so we decided, said, hey, see that house, a couple houses down, that one sidewalk is a, a touchdown and a couple houses down, that one sidewalk uh, is, is a touchdown. The neighbors loved us. So, so we just took over like four houses, okay? My buddy, one time, he says, hey, go long. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass it to you. And he passes me. It was a perfect pass. And I'm running. I don't have to hold my helmet. We didn't have helmets. So I'm running. And he throws it over my shoulder. And I catch it with my one hand. The reason I had to catch with one hand is because I dove and I had to brace myself. So when I dove, I was able to catch it with one hand. And I hit that only sliver of concrete. I just smacked it. And when I did, I braced my hand and I braced my right hand and this bone right here popped through my palm. It hurt. <laughs> and I went to the hospital and the first thing the doctor did, you know what he did? He did the same thing he does when you go to the hospital. There is something hanging from the ceiling, this big, expensive light. And he grabs it and he shines it on my hand. The reason he's shining on my hand isn't because he hates me. He's not trying to shame me. He's not trying to make fun of me. He grabs the light to expose the problem so he could heal me. Church, that's what God does. He wants to expose the problem, not to shame you, but to heal you. And so many times we're walking into hospitals like this, like, no, nah, I'm good. It's good. And God's like, I already know what's going on. Just bring me the, uh, the, the mess. Bring me your sin and I can bring healing. But when you don't bring it to me, when you try to hide it, I can't do anything with that. And so God is not here today. Hear me. God is not here to expose you, to shame you. He's here to heal you. He's here kind of like what Mike's story is to help you go from being hurt to being hopeful. And when I fell on the ground, my arm, it was pretty gnarly and it was gross. And, um, but actually it was my knee that hurt more. I think I was more in shock here. And so I stood up and as a, as a moron, I was like, I'm good. Like, let's, let's run it back next play. Let's go. And like for about two minutes, I tried to literally, I tried to act like I could play football, which, which I can't, but, I, but it raises a question. Have you ever tried to play anything hurt? 
Think about that. Have you ever tried to play anything hurt? Here's what I know when you try to play hurt. It causes more pain and it brings less joy. Did you know that? Like when you play hurt, it causes more pain and you have less joy. And I think some of us are trying to play the game of life hurt and you don't have as much joy and you have a lot of pain and you don't know why. You see, my Dolphins would have been in the Super Bowl if it weren't for the refs. And our quarterback had a great, he had a great season this year, but then he had multiple injuries. He literally had multiple concussions. They were pretty serious. And, and uh, he had some concussions that took him out for the, the rest of the season. And really what the NFL is getting serious about is something called CTE, which stands for chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And what that is, is it's this, this idea, and I'll just read you the definition. CTE is a brain condition thought to be linked to, be, to repeated head injuries. It slowly gets worse over time and leads to dementia, but the right help and support can manage the symptoms. Recently, this past month, a study had been done that 91% of retired NFL players have CTE. 91%. They're playing hurt. And it's bringing less joy and it's causing more pain. And I just want to, just for a moment, in a room this size, I just want to say I'm sorry. There are many of you that are, you're playing hurt because somebody with a Jesus jersey on has hurt you. And I just want to apologize. I, I, don't, I don't take that lightly. I talk to so many people. That is probably the number one stumbling block from people in our world coming to Jesus is Christians that have hurt them. And some of you have been hurt and it's, it's serious. And I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, I wanna apologize and, and let you know I'm sorry. Your pain is real, I'm not minimizing it. But what the enemy wants to do is, is let you play the rest of your life with pain so that you never experience the joy and redemption of Jesus. You see, in the story in John 8, this woman, she had potential to walk away with Christian pain. There were these religious leaders that were trying to do her harm. And, and then she met Jesus. And let me tell you, some people think that if, if you've been a Christian a while, or if you work in the church, that you're immune to Christian pain. That just means I'm exposed to it more than other people. I, I can't tell you in my early twenties, when I started doing ministry, I had one supervisor, a ministry leader that was just blatantly racist. And it wrecked me. I had another one that a ministry leader that it was clear that he wanted more power than caring for people. And he would do whatever it took to get to the top. And it messed with me. And I thought, is this what it's about? And so a lot of my twenties were a cycle of me being hurt and then trying to find healing, hurt and find healing. And I wish I could tell you that I was mature enough to find healing a lot faster, but I wasn't. You see, every time I'd run into a religious leader, my heart would get hard. And maybe you're the same. But here's the thing. Every time I hung around Jesus, my heart got soft. And I'm just telling you, listen, don't let broken people make your heart hard when there is a Jesus that is after you to soften it. And I'm not telling you, I'm not excusing, I'm not minimizing the pain. I'm not, please don't hear me. I'm not minimizing, please, please, please don't take this away. I'm just telling you 100% of the time, 
that you put your hope in people, you will be disappointed. A hundred percent of the time. Because this is what I know about me. I can't talk about everybody else. On my best day, I am still a sinner saved by grace. On my best day, I'm going to disappoint you. That's why we put our hope in Jesus, not in people. Why? Because Hebrews 13, 5 says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's what God says. I'm never going to leave you, nor will I forsake you. In the Bible or in real life, we have something on the football field called a Hail Mary. A Hail Mary is a type of prayer, I believe, originated in the Catholic Church. And what a Hail Mary on the football field is like, man, we got no shot, man. We're totally desperate. We got one play left. Just take the football, throw it as far down the field as you can, and just pray that somebody catch it and somehow we win the game. It rarely, rarely works, but people do it all the time because they're desperate. It's called a Hail Mary. And just like one play can change a game, one prayer can change a life. John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You see, God wants to give you love instead of hate, joy instead of sorrow, peace instead of stress, kindness instead of hostility, and gentleness instead of outrage. Every year we talk about the Super Bowl commercials and we, we have a good time in our family just kind of saying, okay, what was your favorite? And, and of course, the, the amount of money always comes up. And I don't know if you heard what it is this year. This year for a 30-second commercial during the Super Bowl, it's $7 million. Seven, I heard that and I was like, what are you going to advertise that's going to justify for 30 seconds, $7 million? That's a lot. And I thought to myself, man, if I had 30 seconds, what in the world would, for $7 million, what would I say? And here's what I would say. If I had 30 seconds to the world, I would say there is a God that loves you so much that he sent his one and only son and, and nobody captured Jesus. He gave himself up voluntarily and he was tortured. He was stripped naked. He was put on a cross. He was crucified for you and for me only to conquer death. Three days later, ro rose from the grave, seen by witnesses to conquer death, not just for him, but for all of you. And he did all of that because he's crazy about you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he would do it all over again. That's how crazy he is about you. That's what I would tell the world, because this is what I believe. The cross represents both his hurt and our hope. You see, that's, if you want to talk about somebody that understands church pain, Christian pain, it's Jesus. The religious leaders crucified him. But it's, it's his hurt that has become our hope. You see, there's been a flag on the play. We talked about that. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But here's the deal. You might be thinking, okay, in, in the NFL, sometimes flags are, are five-yard penalties. Sometimes they're 10-yard penalties. What is it in life? Well, with God, if you just mess up one time, the game's over. One penalty, you're done. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord thinking, man, that's heavy. It is heavy. I told you my sin put my savior on a cross, but here's the good news. Romans 5, 8, 
but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, the thing I love about Jesus is he knows you the most and loves you the most. Nobody knows you better than Jesus and nobody's gonna love you more. I love that. It's not like he died for you hoping that you'd live a perfect life. He knew everything you've done and are gonna do and he said it's still worth it. And just like I told you that one play can change a game, one prayer can change. Here's the one prayer that can change your life. Romans 10, nine. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. A couple weeks ago, I woke up and I had a, a deposit into my bank account I wasn't expecting for $150,000. Some of y'all are like, I didn't know you rode like that. I do. That's how I roll. So I saw $150,000 and I quickly did some math. I told my wife to pack and I said, we're heading to Mexico. So I said, this is, so we're out of here, honey. Come to find out you need a lot more to take off. You see, I knew as soon as I saw $150,000, I knew somebody made a mistake. I did, so I took a screenshot of my phone. I took a screenshot of my computer. I was like, man, I knew it was too good to be true. I knew $150,000 was too good to be true. I woke up the next day, my $150,000 was gone, gone. I was a baller for a day. It felt so good. And here's the thing, here's the thing. I think some of us hear the story in the cross of Christ how he could forgive you for everything, that there's a God that loves you. And we're like, no, that, that's too good to be true. And so we take screenshots of it, but we don't actually try to use it. We, we don't actually act on God's grace or his love because we're like, it's just gonna be gone tomorrow. Everybody else I've counted on is disappointing me. God's probably gonna be the same. And I'm telling you, I get it, I get it. It sounds too good to be true. But can you imagine the, the, like the heartache of a God that loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you and you're just like, nah, I'm good. I'd rather keep living in pain and hurt and hopelessness than take a chance that this thing that people keep talking about is real. And I'm telling you, it sounds too good to be true because it's amazing grace. It's incredible unbelievable, amazing grace. At the end of a football game, there's something called a Gatorade bath. It's, it looks like this. And what this is, is it's when the team, either the, the game is over or it's about to end and the players to celebrate the big victory, they take a, a cooler and they dump it on the coach. Why? Because the victory has been won. Now listen, Jesus has his own Gatorade bath. It's called baptism. We do that because the victory's been won. And we know the victory's won. The victory was on the cross and in the tomb. The victory's been won. And so what we do on days like this, we step in and have a Gatorade bath. We get baptism to celebrate the victory, not only for everybody, but for you as an individual. That you embrace a relationship with Jesus. That if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Christ is Lord, then you will be saved. Lake County and online here in Apopka, you're going to have an opportunity to make that decision right here, right now. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your, your goodness. I thank you for your grace. 
God, thank you for loving a sinner like me. A broken sinner. That too many times I've thrown flags on other people. Would you forgive me? Too many times I disappointed, hurt people, hurt you. Try to throw challenge flags at you as if I know better than you. Would you forgive me? And God, I pray for that one person online, Lake County and Apopka. That they... They maybe thought they would come in with arrogance, but you softened their heart. And God, would they leave restored and forgiven and whole? God, we love you. Your grace is amazing. We say thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Jordy Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.